The following audio content is a talk given at the Inn, a college ministry of University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website, theinnseattle.org. We invite you to join us each Tuesday at 9 p.m. on the corner of 16th and 47th in Seattle's U District. God, thank you so much for the chance to be together today to sing songs to you. be able to be still. Ironic. (laughs) Go ahead and have a seat. (laughs) You would think I timed that. (laughs) Oh, man. And see, the funny thing is, I don't know whether that's Instagram Maybe being sent to me, which I found out today, you don't send an Instagram. You actually can now. You can? Yeah, it's like a new thing, you can. Oh, see, I was ahead of the game. <laughs> I, you know, you can send an Instagram. Everybody knows that. They're like, Dave, it was like you double didn't know. Not only did you not know what Instagram was, you didn't know that you can't do certain things with Instagram. Man, I had a good time. Did you guys have a good time tonight? T- today? Did you have a good time? It was so fun to see. I tell you what, you guys are, I have had such a good time with you all, and um, it was just so great to watch. I, you know, so I've done these retreats, and what I'm watching for, it's just part of how I'm wired, and maybe some of you are wired this way too, but I am always watching the edges of the rooms to see, is there anybody that's getting left out? And, um, and sometimes retreats, that can be like that. It can be, you know, it's just so many people doing so many things. And if, if you don't feel like you got in, it can just be sort of hard to break your way in. But I'll tell you what, I saw people, literally watched one person come to hey, you want to join us? And then I thought, oh, it must be one of their friends. They go, yeah. And the guy, person goes, yeah. And they go, what's your name? What a powerful story. What a powerful thing for me to watch. I love when I walk out of here feeling like I learned. And I did. It is, an, it is an inspiring thing to watch a group of people come together and break out of their comfort zones like you did and celebrate with each other and just look out for each other. Nice job. Really good. Um, we're going to continue our series today. We've got John um, coming out of the crowd and his call is just to watch. Kairos, you guys remember that? It's the right time. It's the season. And we remember watching John begin his ministry, baptizing and and, um, looking and watching. And people are following him, and then that moment comes. And out of nowhere, when when he's under pressure, he's saying, he's here. And he sees God come down and point out this ordinary-looking man and say, that's the one. The one that for hundreds of years you've been waiting for. It's now. And slowly he begins to let his disciples leave him. He doesn't have a lot of ego. He says, that's the guy that you've got to follow. And slowly they begin to go. And just like you grabbing your friends to come here. By the way, just let me ask you this. How many people 
were asked to come here by a friend, just out of question, curiosity. Awesome. That's so great. Good, good. You guys grabbing each other and coming and carpooling and bringing each other to this thing. This is what they started to do. And so they start to bring each other. And it's Nathaniel and it's Andrew and it's Peter and say, this is the guy. And then we run into other disciples. And what we see is that first Jesus is about saying, do you see me? Because if you're not watching, you'll miss me. I'll walk right in front of you and you'll miss that God is in your midst doing something new. And like I said, you didn't. You didn't miss it. How? Like, where's Mitchell? Where's Mitchell? Thank you. I, how many people felt, I felt, Mitchell, to be honest with you, when you were talking, I thought, you know what, this is one night, I don't want to give a talk. Because you did. I, I, that's, I, I walked out of there thinking, that's what I needed to hear tonight, Mitchell, your story. That's how it is. Mitchell saw, and there's no way to explain that. There's no way to rationalize that out. Somehow in the midst, Mitchell, he sees it. Does he know where it's going to lead? Does he have a complete theology? No. But he just says, yes. Come and see, Mitchell. Yes. He says yes. Thank you for that, by the way. By the way, can I tell you one of my greatest compliments? When people forget my name. (laughs) I love it. Because it means, I mean, to me, actually, I take that as a compliment. I love it. It means, it's like, look at that guy, that weird dude that was there. He's like, fine. Um, so Jesus goes on to my favorite disciples, Mary and Martha, and he's beginning to say, listen, you've seen me, but this, it doesn't end there. What I need to do is I want you to begin to, and by the way, guys, awesome <laughs> invitation. Now I can't do it. <laughs> They're going to think of you. Woo. Um, the, uh, that kills me, by the way. Every time he does that, it just floors me. Um, the, uh, the little kick pump. Um, it was just great. But the, um, but there's this, there's this thing where he's saying, listen, you all are walking around and you've seen me. And this is what I'm arguing that the church, oftentimes they said, we've seen Jesus, but we're going to keep the same worldview lens, the same world lens that we have always used. That river lens where we're busy, we are, we're frantic and we're just thinking about surviving or competition. That sense of one's going to be better. You see ministries doing this all the time. One of the first, a a director, I can remember the first question I would get asked. How many people are coming? And you would tell them. And they would say, and if there was more than them, they would be jealous. And if there was less of them, they'd look at you with a little bit of pity. Oh, Spirit didn't quite bless you as much as he blessed our church. You see, they're planting churches, but they've got the competition worldview. Same view. And so the outside world looks at this church and just says, show me something different. I don't want just ordinary things that I can go get anywhere else. And so he starts challenging them with their view. You've seen me, but now I want you to look out with new eyes and a new view, and I want you to look at the world, but I want you to look through different lenses. I don't want you to pretend like you're loving. I want you to see through eyes that are loving. You'll miss it. You can fake it all day long, and I have done that. You know what it's like. You're tired. You're not feeling like you're wanting to do this thing, and you've got to kind of put on that Christian smile, and you got your little name tag on, and oh, how are you? You know what it's like to feel burnout even in the midst of doing ministry. I want, to, I want to challenge that what for me, when I feel that sense of tiredness, that sense of, like Mitchell, what you said, you know, that feeling of I'm doing it, but man, am I dragging. 
For me, I can tell I've put on old worldview lenses. Now, let me read to you. Jesus goes along, and the story begins to unfold. And this is what he's trying to do. And you guys, have, if, if some of you have been through this, the, this isn't high enough, Ryan. <laughs> Ryan the, the only guy that needs the, the thing to be two inches from his face. Um, Jesus goes along, and in what he's trying to do, you've got to keep in mind that if you are a Hebrew, you have a view of how this is going to be going down. When the Messiah comes, there is a government that is over you, that is ruling you, that literally your right to make choices is very, very limited. We have a hard time understanding what that's like. You want to choose a career? That is completely limited. You want to be in government? You can't. They're used to this. And so what their idea is that a Messiah is going to come along and that's going to change. We'll be in charge again. We'll be in power again, which is going to mean probably some kind of military overthrow. Get ready. And we will win because God will be on our side. That's what they're waiting for. And Jesus, imagine this. Jesus is going to try to explain that's not going to happen. The kingdom that you have been talking about, the kingdom that you've been looking for, is going to be a different kind of kingdom than you've ever seen. And it's my job to begin to explain it to you. Now imagine how hard that would be. Imagine how hard it would be to go to a group of people who have a certain way of seeing and begin to explain to them something that they've never seen. Some of you, when you go home and you've experienced this, you try to explain to your family this, and you get that condescending look. Oh, that's cute. So anyway, how are your studies? And they go on, no, you don't get it. Mom, dad, you don't, you don't understand. God's not just an idea. Jesus isn't just another teacher. It's real. And they don't get it. Or you go back to your sorority or your fraternity or your dorm or your house or your apartment and you say something's different and they don't get it. And you're trying to explain to them their view of what Christianity is so tainted by what they've seen. And they're not wrong to feel the way they feel. And you try to explain something new to a few people. Jesus has to explain this to the world. Tough task. Hard to do. You got to feel for him. At times you watch him get so frustrated because he could see, like we talked about this morning, he could see the people who have seen him looking out, but they're looking out with the old eyes. <sighs> I've already said this. I'm trying to say this, and I'm trying to say this in the right way. You can see when he looks out over the city and he weeps. He says, I walked right in your midst and you didn't even know it was me. This is not an intellectual exercise for him. He has about 33 years on this earth. He's had three to try and do this task that he carries every single day to explain something completely new. So he goes on, and he's 
slowly explaining that the way that this is going to happen is there's going to be an end to him. And you see Peter, and you see his people around him that love him, look at him with these eyes that are incredulous. And you can imagine, if you were in their shoes, how absurd this would sound. If you die, what, who will we be? Where will we go? I've given everything for you. Imagine, you've sold everything you have. You have left it. You've done it. And he's saying, at a certain point in time, I'm going to be gone. And there's going to be this transformation of the spirit that's going to come to you in a way that you don't understand and you're going to take this forward. And you've never led anything. And you're going to carry this new message into the world. But how do I do that? Jesus is explaining. And he says it this way in Matthew 25. He says, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. And you can hear his heart. I was a stranger and you invited me in. Naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, this is their question. He's saying, you're going to ask this. Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger, invite you in or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison or come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, truly I say to you, to the extent that you did, and follow this, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it to me. What he's saying is, and and this is where I cannot tell you how much I hope you go out of here different with something to hold on to. What he's saying is, there is no worldview that will get this done. When you go to a school and they talk about a Christian worldview, I will challenge you, and please come up and disagree with me, that that is not enough. That will be you bringing one more religion to the masses. And the masses will listen politely, maybe, and walk away. What Jesus says is, I need you to have a kingdom view. I don't want you to have a world view. I want you to have a kingdom view. When you put these lenses on, I want you to be looking through the eyes of the kingdom that is in your midst. Not the kingdom you hoped for, but the kingdom that is God's in breaking into the world. Are you with me? Kingdom view. You're walking to class on campus. 
and you can feel, you suddenly realize, I am totally looking through the eyes of the river. I am looking through the eyes of, the co- of competition. And you imagine, you invite a new lens, kingdom view. One of those lenses will be compassion. I don't like this one. This one challenges me all the time. I am really good at racking up wrongs in my life. I'm really good at stacking up. I think I would have been a good lawyer. I'd like to throw out compassion. Let's all earn it. How much do you do? How much do you achieve? That's my nature. So when I go out and I do ministry, that's how I'm taking it on with my worldview. When I take that off and I put on a kingdom view, I have to look with compassion. Now, listen, I'm going to say this. Some of us have people in our lives right now where the idea of compassion is almost absurd. You have been wronged. There are some of you in this room. I just read an article not about 45 minutes ago about a wrong that just came out of a young girl and her dad. And she's just talking about it right now. Is she going to have compassion on her father right away? Nope. And I would argue, nor should she. It's not time yet. Ecclesiastes talks about there being a time and a season for everything under the sun. There's a time to tear down and then a time to build back up. But there will be a time. I do not want this young girl living her whole life in a state of bitterness. I don't want that for her. At some point, here's my hope is that she cries for her dad. That's my hope. Because I think Jesus does. That was not the plan for his life. Are you with me? You understand? Compassion. At some point when you are walking down the, the, the path towards your class and you see all these people, and if you're like me, you can start seeing them almost like scenery. They're just colors and backpacks. And the kingdom view says, I want you to look. I want you to notice the person that looks so stressed. I want you to be one that sees the person that no one else will see. And it's, I have to tell you this, when I do this, and I do practice this when I'm walking, when I'm on the campus of SPU, it's easy for me to think I got to get to my office and then I got to my grinding through my stuff and stuff and stuff. But when I practice this, this kingdom view exercise and I look and I suddenly start seeing the people, I want to tell you, I get to my office and I want to do my work in a very different way. What would you do with your career? Where would you work? What salary would you take? If you were looking with a kingdom view of compassion, get ready. Be careful. A lot of that world view of how your life was going to turn out might suddenly not seem quite so important. Suddenly, you start realizing your time here is limited. You have a few years to contribute to be a part of the kingdom movement. And if you were looking out and noticing and seeing with compassion, 
What would you see? What would capture your heart? What would be your passion? What would be the thing that you would give your life for? Would it be people? Would it be animals, maybe? Would it be the environment? Compassion. What would it do? It can change your vocation. It can change your occupation. Second one. Oh, and this one makes me uncomfortable. Some of you are going to disagree with me on this one. I have a bias that Jesus wants the kingdom to always be getting bigger. I remember when I was working at the church that I worked at, and it started really growing. And a lot of the people who had been there for a long time said, what are we going to do about this? It's getting so big, you don't know anybody. And the senior pastor stood up and said, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to get bigger. And then after that, we're going to get bigger. Because we want to bring in as many people as we can. I'll be honest with you. I love coming to the inn. I do. I told Ryan, and I've told him before, I think the inn is as wonderful a place as it it has ever been. And that's you. But you know what I would love? I would love to see the inn twice as big as it is right now. And and I'll tell you, I don't care about the numbers. What I care about is the people. If you were looking through the eyes of compassion, and then you take and look through the eyes of acceptance, the person that you have shut out, isn't it easy to do? You shut out those certain people. They dress a certain way. They talk a certain way. They're on the out. I don't talk to them. They do this. They do that. They act this way. I saw what they did last Friday night. Their sexuality. Ooh. Some of you might push me on that one. What do we do? Here's the deal. This is a hard one. I'm going to give you this. This is truth. This is where my growing edge is. Is Here's how I picture this. If I'm in a room and Jesus is sitting right next to me, and I mean this, I look over at that person and I say, in or out. I want Jesus to be my authority, not how I was raised. That's hard. Have you read the Gospels? One of the things I used to do as a pastor was I would take college students and I would give them what I call the gospel challenge. 12 weeks, a gospel a week. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. You have to read it so fast that almost Jesus moves out of this two-dimensionality that we can put him into where we can parse everything he says back into our theology. It moves so fast that Jesus says things that, that are abrupt. See, Jesus says things that interrupt. And all of a sudden, he becomes this three-dimensional person that moves and breathes and starts to have authority and can be our Lord in the way that we make decisions. Acceptance. I want to challenge you that the world is waiting for a group of people to walk out of here instead of with eyes of judgment and closeness with eyes that are welcoming people in. Get ready to be challenged and uncomfortable. Third one. This was a big argument for Jesus. This is one that Jesus went toe-to-toe with the Pharisees on all the time. If the donkey is in your ditch, get your donkey out of the hole. Get your donkey, pull your donkey out. They're sitting there going, well, 
It's Sabbath, and you know what the Sabbath says. Can't pull anything out of the hole, can't touch anything, can't do any work. They literally had this book, I've told some of you, you know this, they had this book called The Mission, which the, the Ten Commandments were so vague to them that they actually took it one step further and made it that exact. If I drop this pen, can I pick it up on the Sabbath? No, I can't. Jesus would say, for the love of Pete, <laughs> pick up the pen. He says, listen, and this is what some of you heard last Tuesday. If you were doing this for your boy or for your girl, and it would be easy for you to make that decision, God will do better than you. If you could be this kind, God will be that kind. He will beat you every time at kindness. Use your common sense. Now listen, this, is, this may sound simple, but listen, the way the Pharisees were trying to do it is they were trying to live and not make mistakes. And some of you were like that. You're trying so hard to not make a mistake. And some of you were raised, and you wouldn't know how to say this, but your, your, your view of God is almost, it's, it's almost abusive. It's almost like this God is sitting here going, I love you. Pow! Wrong move. Who else? And you've got this group of people that are walking around with this sense of fear that God is going to somehow zap them or so God is going to some sort of, of abandon them. And Jesus' big deal with the Pharisees is, listen, I want you to start walking as disciples. You're not prophets called to a certain place, to a certain thing. You're called to be disciples to go out. I don't even care all that much where you go. That's how he does it. First, one, first place, he says, just go, go. And if it doesn't work out, just pick up your stuff and keep going. That was his view. Get out. Go. Move. But I don't have any training. I don't care. Go. Go, 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 go. You've seen me. Get out. Get moving. That was his way. And when you're going, I want you to trust that God is kinder than you think he is. Use your judgment. If it seems like a decent thing to do, trust that God's probably going to go, nice job. Worst case scenario, you get to heaven and you go, hey, when I did that really kind, nice thing for that person, how was that? Jesus might go, well, you know, I might have zigged a little bit when you zagged, but you know what? Great job, because I know you were trying. Some of you have a trust issue, and it makes sense. You come from a place where God has preached like this. Bad, there's this sort of good news, bad news. The good news is you're accepted. The bad news is God could really zap you. I want to challenge that view. You come up to me afterwards, by the way, and tell me how I'm wrong. I love that conversation. I really do. Jesus had this with the Pharisees all the time. And the Pharisees are saying, you are leading these people down a path. If they start using their minds and their hearts and they start looking with kingdom view, they're going to make mistakes. And if we make mistakes, God's going to do something to us that's going to hurt. And he's saying, I want you to start trusting God. I want you to start trusting that God believes in you. Imagine that you raised your child from a baby to a teenager to a 20-something, and at 26, here's what they're doing. Every single day, they're calling you. Hey, Mom. Hey, Dad. I'm thinking about a yellow shirt today. What do you think? Is that the right shirt to wear? Should I wear that shirt? And you say, that's my boy, taught to ask me for everything. That's so great. Well done, son. Yes, the yellow shirt is the right shirt to wear. Talk to you in five minutes. How annoying. The common sense view is if you would be annoyed with this, God is probably annoyed with this too. Put the shirt on that you want. You want to go to the Dominican Republic? Go. 
Don't sit and pray asking if God wants you to go to the Dominican Republic. Common sense says there's people in the Dominican Republic that would love to see. What's your name again? You're so funny. Bob Ted. Ted. (laughs) You really have a great gift. Ted, go. It's awesome. There's not a place in the planet. You want to go to the Dominican Republic? I don't care. There's people that need to laugh everywhere. And you would be great. Just go send me a postcard. Just use your common sense. The last one, or the fourth one, sorry, I've got two more. I love this one. Ryan, do you mind grabbing that box for me? The fourth one is adventure. Now, this one is one that I love. I got to tell you, this is one of the easiest ones for me. I can get stressed out. I can start, I'm a river person, for sure. I just start singing and thinking about this. Um... About 13 years ago, I was, a lot of where this is coming from, you guys, is as a pastor, I know what it's like. I got to this point where I just reached a level of depression. I was, I found myself wanting to be on the couch all the time. I was tired all the time. Our ministry kept getting bigger, but I didn't have a lot of staff around me to make that happen. And so what I found is that my job started changing. And I remember walking through my, this group of great people, and I really, really did have a great group. They remind me a lot of you. Just fun and good and really interesting and incredibly incre- uh, creative people. And I remember resenting them because someone would want to talk to me. I didn't have anything to give. I didn't have anything to say. I just wanted them to stop. And eventually this feeling of uh, crashing in my life and it laid me out for probably about a year. Only time in my life that I've ever thought maybe it would be better for me not to be alive. Some of you know what that feeling's like. I got out of that fast. And what I did in that time was I, I remember walking and just saying, okay, God, what do I do? And it, suddenly what it was, and I do believe that this was the time for me where the adventure lens came, was to see if you were going to do something in the next 10 years where you put your heart and your soul into it, what would it be? Imagine you're walking, and I literally picture this pathway on a mountain where you're literally walking. You can't run, so you have to walk a little slower. And imagine you and Jesus are walking together, and it's an adventure. You don't have to be stressed. You don't have to try and manage the world. You're not God. You're just on your adventure. What are you going to major in? I don't know. What an adventure. Please tell me when you know. You'll know in time. Where are you going to go when you get done? I don't know. I'm on an adventure, and I can't know where we're going because I'm on it with Jesus. We're going, we're going together. You picture this, and you picture Jesus being interested in you. You picture Jesus being fascinated by what you're doing with your life. This view is the one that makes me relax the most. So what I decided to do is I thought, you know what I want to do is I want, I'd always been musical as a kid. I remember writing, I have these pictures of me playing on the piano when I can't see the piano chord and pushing my dad off the piano bench. And I remember writing little songs, the songs that kind of repeat that you can play for an hour until your mom says, okay, that's enough of that song. I called it the running man. I remember that song. Na, 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 na,
na 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 na. I mean, I could play that for hours and hours and hours. And I had written some worship songs that I just, I, you know, I, I, the, the, my students would just love, and I just, I knew that that was it was a, it was a thing. So, but I had never trained, I'd never done any training, I'd never done any any real work on it. I had worked just on talent, kind of just what I had. And what I decided was, I want to take the talent I have, and I want to go on an adventure. I want to see what I can do if I maximize my ability to get trained and put my best into it so that I can look at Jesus and say, here's the best I have. What would you do? What would you do if instead of the major that you always thought you were going to do that will guarantee you the certain XYZ salary, what would you do if you went on an adventure with the thing that you have and gave it everything you have? You took the lessons. You took the time. And instead of being stressed out about it or feeling like you have to be perfect or feeling like you have to compete and be better than everybody else, with a worldview, with a kingdom view of adventure, you can say, this is my life. I want to walk it with God. Can I give you something? Are you guys open to getting something free tonight? Can I give you a gift to take home? I want to give you something. And I want to thank Carol and TJ and Josiah because... They, I called them, and, I, and I, I thought about this. I thought, I'm going to do this because this is the most important thing I can do. I want you to show. This is no joke. This would have been the most insecure thing I would have ever done in my life to give you this. And, and so what I'm going to do, what I did, I can't walk into that zone or I'm going to get zapped, Brian. Um, is I am going to give you um, the biggest CD album I've ever done. I'm going to give it to you for free. It's not even released yet. And um, I'm going to give you, there it is. Um, it's called The Beginning and End of War. And um, it tells the story, uh, and it's a complex story. Um, and um, I don't know, I, say, I think if you put Mumford and Sons and Lincoln Park and then maybe a little bit of um, uh, uh, the, uh, a little bit of soundtrack feel, you'd kind of have the feel of this. I'm going to give it to you. I'm not selling it to you. I'm going to give you each a copy. Are you, are you okay with that? I'm just going to give you one. Yeah. Olivia, can I have you help me? Can, can, you, can I have a cut? Can I have, what's your name, sir? Shane, do you mind helping me? It's not my name. <laughs> no. <laughs> Caleb. <laughs> Why are you wearing two name tags? I got your name tag. <laughs> do you mind helping me hand out stuff? Yeah, sure. Thanks, sir. That's why you're a healing athlete, right? Yeah. yeah. Do you mind helping too? Just help throwing up? I've got one for everybody here. And I hope you like it. I really do. But I want to tell you something. This for me, when I saw this come back from the printer, I don't care if it's the best. Uh, this is the truth. This is what I want you to see. I don't care what, you, you know, literally, if you use this for a coffee stand or, a coffee, you know, like something to put your coffee mug on, that's fine. I hope you like it. But here, let me tell you something. Here's the reason why I'm not nervous now. With my last, I did, this is, this is actually, I've done a piano album, then I did a first trial album, and this is the one that I felt like, I'm going to hit this as hard as I can. I have a color book that I did too, that, I, that comes along with, I saw an artist did that, I'm like, I'm doing that, and it was exhausting. But you know what the deal is, every day here's what I face. I face looking at the same project from the river, and then I start feeling all the details that I have. I've got a thing coming up where I'm going to release it officially. But, but my journey, and I want to say this because this is, I'm not just preaching at you. I'm living in the middle of this. 
is that Jesus' invitation for me every day is, Dave, this is our adventure, pal. I put music in you from before you were born. You didn't ask for music. You just said yes. I said, come and see. You said, okay. Where is it going to lead? Come and see, Dave. I don't know. And I'm in. Does that, does that end with me passing out 160 copies of my CD? Then I'm going to say, hey, Jesus, that was an awesome adventure. Thank you so much. My challenge to you is, what's yours? If you didn't have to do a career to measure up, to perform, if you didn't have to do a career to compete, if your life was an adventure where what you have inside of you is a question Jesus asks you, are you willing to come? Come and see what we could do with what's in you. Where would you go? Would you have something in your hand at the end of it? Maybe not. Would you have a group of people that know you? Maybe. What would you do? That's my question. But if you're taking the same project on, all it is is just one more CD. It doesn't matter. What matters is the lens that you're looking at what you're doing through. A world lens or a kingdom lens. Last one. And I'm going to ask the worship band to come up for a second. Will you do it for me? Where's the worship band? Are they here? Will you guys come up and get up here for a second? The last one, kingdom lens. When you are walking with compassion from your classes to your home to your car, and your eyes, you are consciously looking out of a different lens, and you are looking with acceptance, you are trusting in the common sense kindness of God. When you see your life as an adventure, here's what I find happens, is worship begins to happen. You begin to see trees differently. You begin to see how things are knit together differently. You begin to see this creation that we're walking around like it's this gigantic orchestra all proclaiming the creator that made it. So instead of just doing worship, we begin to worship from our core, from our soul. Worship from a kingdom lens is very, very different.